Hey guys, Roy here, and you are listening to the Balanced Mail podcast series. Now this episode is titled Grief Take Six, and I know that sounds like an interesting title, but really this is the sixth time that I have sat down or tried to sit down to uh, do this episode. Um, And I think it has a lot to do with the fact that this episode does focus on grief. And I'm realizing that it's a very huge topic to try to talk about and cover. But I think for me, in what I've gone through these last year, year and a half or so, I really needed to tackle it. Because I've learned a lot in these last few months about grief with regards to what it's done to me and for me. And going back to the title, you know, trying to do this, it's been funny. It's just starting and stopping so many times. I think I've sat in this chair almost every other day for the last couple of weeks. And I would get to this point where I would be ready to do this and ready to talk. And then I would get a few minutes into it and I would just stop. And it, and I think that I'm not alone in trying to start something and, and losing the momentum. I think you guys can relate to that. Um, but what was the biggest thing is, is I just started to feel so much as I was doing this. I think I started to feel very vulnerable because I'm talking about something very personal in my life. I felt very raw and open. And I hadn't even started talking about it, but just taking the step into talking about it made me feel very raw and open. And then I started to get self-conscious and And then I started to think about what people would think about me because I know that in dealing with my grief, I think the one thing that I started to feel was weak, you know, and and I think that uh, this lie that I was telling myself was that grief is a weakness. You know, I I started to believe this, this feeling and this thought of just if it's affecting me and stopping me from what I want to do or being me then I'm not strong enough. And that I think is, you know, such a lie. Because the moment I open up to anyone to say that I'm feeling sad about the death of my father, everyone's like, it's okay. And I mean, people can tell me that a thousand times, but I still have to believe that. And so just coming out here and talking about it I think is allowing me to see that that it's not a weakness and I can start to not listen to the lie so much. And then it also, I mean, geez, this topic is just makes me feel so emotional. I mean, I'm talking about the death of my dad and then subsequent birth of my son, which you'll learn more about that. And it just naturally will bring stuff up. And, and, I think that it's okay that I was having these feelings, but then it's not okay if it's stopping me from doing what I want to do because I want to do this podcast. I want to share my life. I want to share my stories. I feel that I started it to 
do that exact same thing to share because through our stories I feel that we can connect and heal and so I have to do this and I'm grateful to have this outlet for it and it also has been very tough really to find the words and I think what I was finding is I needed to find the right words for everyone, the right words for myself. I kept trying to make this more produced. I think if you could look in my my little office right now, you would see all these great little poster board pieces of paper with nice outlines and different colors and stars and bullet points and all of this stuff. And <laughs> just wanted to make this perfect. But then I felt that if I was, as I was making this perfect, what I was losing was I was losing the authenticity. And I think if I'm going to talk about this, and if I'm going to stick to my guns on how I think I should do this, then I need to be authentic, and I need to speak from the heart. And so here we go. So this all started back when my dad was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And... It was a shock to all of us. I mean, cancer, how can a loved one being diagnosed with cancer not be a shock? And uh, it, was, it was definitely hard. And um, his battle with cancer didn't last long. I think it felt long, but it didn't. It lasted about a year. He was diagnosed in May of 2018 and we were at his funeral in June of 2019 and the story of him passing was so it's just such a wild thing for me because you know I went to this place of of having this father figure in my life and him being a fixture and not thinking about him ever not being there to immediately questioning his existence and then having to watch him go through what he went through and it was it was very tough and I think tough <laughs> cheapens really what it was it, it was really wasn't tough it was exhausting you know I moved away about uh, seven years ago from my home in Georgia into up here in Virginia and so to be with my father and to be with my family always means that I have to travel. And so <laughs> I told people I became an expert in flying that year. I think I, I flew back to Atlanta five or six times to be with my family. And the hardest part for me in those trips was every time I saw him 
he was worse than the time before. And that really messes with you. It really does because, you know, if, if, if you're seeing someone go through a sickness and then they might look sick or their physical, their physical self looks worse, but then it gets better, you start to, you can hold on to some hope. And, you know, I think I lost hope very quick I remember him and my mom picking me up from the Marta station that first the first time coming back it was only like I don't know three weeks after his diagnosis and he had had his first round of chemo and I just remember seeing him and just not recognizing him at all I didn't know who this man was that was picking me up. And that's hard for a son to see that in the father. And so I knew very quickly that this was serious and this was this this outcome was probably not going to be good. <clears throat> and I also have to note because it's such a big part of this whole story is that while my dad was battling his cancer, my wife was pregnant with my our first child. So there's a whole layer of that that just added to the intensity of this whole situation. And, you know, I, I, I remember just trying to be positive when I was home, trying to be supportive when I was home, but also just not knowing which way was up. <laughs> I mean, just dealing, dealing with all this, seeing what I'm seeing, feeling what I'm feeling, experiencing what I'm experiencing. I mean, it's just hard to describe. And then you know, he didn't so much die as I think he just, it just was like he was just wasting away. And so things like that just stick with you and it's, and it's, it was hard because what I wanted with my father were moments to talk, moments to connect. And I didn't get much of those. And I had these expectations that that's what I was going to get because my grandfather died a few years ago. And I got to have these really cool moments with him. And it was such a cool thing. He, he died of, of complications from mesothelioma, which were due to him uh, working in boilers on ships during World War II. He was a merchant marine. And, uh, you know, he was in his late 90s when he passed. And, you know, I didn't feel much. I mean, I felt sadness, but it was like there was this peace I was feeling because my grandfather had lived a life and he gets to pass on. And, and you know, my wife and I got to go 
to see him and you know he hadn't had the chance to come to our wedding and we got to show him the wedding and I watched him tear up and I got to see how happy he was and proud of me and you know and then I got to watch him a video of him receive a veteran's hat and uh, it was really powerful because you know merchant marines weren't considered veterans for the longest time and they never got the benefits that a lot of these guys that were in the war um, got and so to to see him have that was really cool and so that's kind of what I was expecting going into this with my dad and I you know we would have four or five you know you know, I had these four or five times that I'd come down to see him and, you know, I didn't get it. And it was, it was just because it was hard. There were lots of people around and he was so sick and hurting and, and on a lot of drugs the last couple of times. And so there wasn't a lot. And really what I saw was just him just wasting away and, 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 And so you have to find a way to process that. And I don't know how. I don't know how I did or, or how you process that. And I also had to process the fact that as my dad was dying, my son was, he was about to be born. And that's a whole lot to process. And, you know, that's, that was, I think the toughest thing was I felt like I was juggling two of these extremely life-changing things at the same time. And I I don't a lot of those days are are just flashes. You know, it's it's even crazy to me to to feel like here I am, you know, almost a year to my father's death and a year to my son's birth, but um yeah you know my dad died in the beginning of june 2019 and my son was born on june 29th 2019 and so now i have this grief to deal with and grief is a really funny thing you know you can you can see in the movies how they show grief and they portray grief and it's this very artistic and beautiful thing and they tell the story so well and it's full of these just life-changing moments I think of when in the movie Patch Adams, when um, he wants to, he's he's kind of wrestling with the fact that his his girlfriend had been killed, and, and he's yelling at God, and and this butterfly just floats to him and <laughs> lands on him, and and everything's okay. Um. <laughs> I laugh because 
grief was not like that at all for me. And I want to share this, and the reason I, I really want to share it is, is, is just to, to kind of, because I think that, that movies do so much harm. I think they harm us in relationships sometimes. I mean, we could talk to my my wife, and she can talk about how Disney princesses and those stories have ruined relationships for women so many times. But I think we have this view of what grief is, and we think that we're ready for it. Um, but, but I wasn't, I wasn't ready for what was to come. And it just, it was just such a funny thing because it just, it didn't, it didn't show up like I thought it would. It didn't do to me what I thought it would. And it has been such a wild ride and I want to share that with you now I think the first thing I really want to talk about is kind of how grief started showing up in my life and I think the first thing I noticed was the anger I used to think that I was this really you know happy-go-lucky kind of guy and you know, that I had a lot of positivity in my life. But um, after my dad passed, I just started noticing so, so much anger. And it was in some of the things that were the most, like the smallest things and the things that I never thought I would get angry about. For example, I... I I remember sitting in this Mexican restaurant and watching uh, a grandfather with his son and their kid. And I remember having to leave the restaurant because I was so mad at those guys. Because I wasn't ever going to have that with my dad. And it's not these people's fault, but I was mad, and it sat with me forever. I remember being mad at the amount of people that weren't there at his funeral. I remember being mad at the church. I think I'm still angry at the church for for what they... did to my dad and you know it wasn't anything that I mean my dad did all those things willingly I think what it was was just this anger at like there was just I never thought there was enough pomp and circumstance at his funeral I remember sitting in the funeral and thinking my dad did so much for all of these people and this is the best you got you know, I've, I've, and you know, those are, we could, we could get into all of the, the reasons why and, you know, how the expectations that I had, but really, you know, I was just so mad. And I, and I've had so many days where I'm just sitting and I'm just, just this, this, this 
wound up ball of anger. And it all comes from the fact that, that my dad's not here anymore. And so what do you do with that anger, you know? And that anger just gives way to this, this just feeling of, of just this knowledge that I'm different now. This I'm different and there's no coming back. That the guy that I am right now is not the guy that I was two years ago. And that's hard. And that's hard to, to accept. Because there's nothing I can do to fix this. You know, there's nothing that I can do. I can't bring him back. But all these people and I, I just, I think I, I sit at tables sometimes and I just wonder, do they know how different I am? You know, and, and, and I feel this, this distance now with lots of people and it's not their fault and it's not necessarily my fault. It's just, it's just that, that feeling of I'm different and not knowing how to, to go from that, you know, and I think it also, you know, there's, there's also anger that comes from things that I can't fix that maybe I'm holding on to, you know, I find that, that with this grief and with the, each day that goes by, I find there's more and more things that I wish I could apologize to my dad for, or I wish that I could fix, or tell him, no, that's not really what I meant. You know, and, and I have to find a way to make peace with that, and that, that shit is really fucking hard, guys. To, to, to have to make peace with these those things, you know, and to live with that. You know, and I think, you know, this, this grief with this anger, with all the stuff I'm telling you about, you know, you think that it's going to show up at certain times, but really it shows up whenever it wants to. <laughs> it's the weirdest times and places, I think. The weirdest times for me with my grief has shown up, has been <laughs> running on the elliptical in the gym listening to a song <laughs> you know my dad was very musical uh, he just that music was his life and sometimes when I'm running I'm not embarrassed about this but I'll tell you I listen to Broadway songs sometimes uh, there's a beat to it there's a pace to it and it keeps me upbeat I'm not ashamed of it some people listen to Taylor Swift some people listen to Metallica. I listen to Broadway when I'm running. I promise you it's good. You can find certain songs that will get you through the run. But anyway. But I'll be listening to this song and maybe... And I'll just start noticing that I'm just like holding back tears while I'm mile two and a half of a run. <laughs> and it's because... It's because it's it's a Broadway song and my dad would sing these Broadway songs and I don't know if it's... It just reminds me of him, and then I have to stop the run, and I have to go out to my car, and I have to cry. 
you know, and it's weird. So those things, it's just weird. It just shows up when it wants to. Um, and then there'll be times when, you know, a student in my class will just say a word that brings up something about my dad. And then I have to find a way to, to not lose it on this kid because they're, it's not their fault, you know? And so those are the things that like I, I'm having to, to live with and deal with. And, and then, you know, it's just wild. Grief is such a wild, wild thing. And then I have to deal all this with also dealing with just being a, a first time father. You know, I think that's the other thing that this grief has done. It just is, is it gets me sad because there's not this, you know, I can't call my dad anymore when I need advice. And I think that I romanticize that a lot, the ability to, to have, you know, go to my dad and talk with him. But, but it's hard because being a first time father is, is, it's just such a wild ride too. I'm, I'm dealing with grief. I'm riding these two. Sometimes it feels like I'm riding two roller coasters at once. Dealing with the death of my father and, you know, learning to be a father all at the same time. And, and I just try to hold on, you know, <laughs> with all this. But there really has been a lot that I've learned. And I like to think that I'm beginning to be on the other side of a lot of this pain um, I know that the pain won't go away but I do feel a lot stronger than I, I did a year ago and I really wanted to make sure that I share those things that have helped me the things that I've learned because you know one who would want to listen to just this podcast about us about just all this pain and suffering if there's no hope and I think that's the biggest thing I found is hope that I can get through this and and I've found that hope <clears throat> in a couple of ways I think f first I think what's helped me through it is friends um, and my wife those are the the things that I, I look at them as the outward things because there's the outward things that that have helped me and the inward things and the inward things are the things that I've done but the, the outward things I'll start with you know my friends and my wife um, and really I think the friends and, and they know who they are that have saved me the most through all this are the ones that just gave me the space I think the worst thing you can do for someone who's grieving the death of a loved one or a father is to try to tell them or try to fix them. You know, I think there are a lot of people that they meant well, but they were just trying to fix me. And, and you know, I don't want to be fixed. I think the thing that I've wanted the most is just space and time. And those friends of mine that I have were just so awesome because all they really did was they just 
They just were there. <laughs> I mean, they were there. Um, they didn't try to do anything. They just, they just sat with me. Um, and talked and goofed off and said stupid stuff and, you know, they cried with me when I needed to cry and, and they laughed with me when I needed to laugh, but they just were there. And I think when someone's grieving, I think a lot of what they need is they just, they just need that space to say it and to feel it and to know that they're safe. Um, because really when, for me, like, you know, my dad was this thing that was like, I was like orbiting him. Like I think about the solar system and, you know, you're orbiting this person. He's just there and he's always going to be there. Like, why would he not be there? Right. And then all of a sudden this thing that was your life, the part of your, the big part of your life was gone. And you know, where, you know, I, it was like, I was, I, I didn't know where to go, what to say, what to do. I felt so, so fearful and so just, just not safe, but, but having this support system, these friends, these, these few guys that were just there, it's just, it was the, it was my safety net, a part of my safety net and just feeling safe to just feel whatever it was was one of the best things in the world and it was what was what made it so great is you know every trip to Atlanta meant a trip meant a time that I could be with them you know <laughs> my one friend was saying he was like I know this is really terrible and hard but it's just been so great because we've seen you so much this year and it's just been so awesome and, and you know and it, it was just funny to think that but really like having those friends was one of the things and then you know my wife I think having I mean I could do a whole other podcast about this but but my wife was so amazing at this time and she's she's been so great and all of that but I think specifically with with what I was going through you know she coordinated everything I mean she with every trip, with every flight, with every car I needed, with every place I needed to go. You know, it was something that I didn't have to think about. And that was, I mean, oh, geez. <laughs> Having that was amazing. And just the, what I call the insurmountable grace that she's, she gave me through this. Because, you know, who really saw the anger, who really got to experience the anger was my wife. Because she's the one that was there the most. And she's forgiven me a lot of it. And she's just loved me through all of this. And, you know, it's it's that second part of my safety net. You know, I don't think I could have gone through without her. You know, and I think also, you know, another outward thing for me with music. You know, I, I think about. You know, it's it's funny. I think I hear my dad in certain songs. And I hear him in those certain certain 
certain things. It's like pianos or Dave Matthews Band because he took me to my first Dave Matthews Band concert and he used to make fun of it. He used to go, little baby, all the time. And, and it was just always really funny. And when I hear Dave Matthews Band, I can't help but not think about him. You know, and you know, music has been something that it's it's it brings up the feelings. You know, it calms me down, and sometimes, and and I think that um, I have this kind of theory too about about death, and I think you know, in some ways, we go whatever's on the other side. You know, I think a lot of it is we go with whatever our heart's desire was and um you know my dad spent his entire life with music i mean it was it, it was what he ate sleep drank i mean it was it was music from chorals and to singing and to directing and to just listening and just loving it so i just think that as he moved as he died i mean he i don't know in some way he became the songs And I know that sounds kind of silly, but to me that sounds really beautiful to think about. You know, he's finally a part of what he loved the most. And so I think that it's it's not a surprise that, you know, the songs, you know, when I'm running on the elliptical or, or when I'm driving in the car, you know, it gets me and it, and it, it helps me through. It's like he's saying... I know it sucks, but it's going to be okay. And so, so those are our things. I think the inward things, um, the stuff that I do specifically and I have to do, um, I think that, you know, I, I acknowledge my grief and I acknowledge that it's there. Um, that's the first thing that I do. I you know, there's this book that's helped me. Um, it's called Permission to Grieve by Shelby Forsythia, and I'm probably butchering her her last name. But it's been an incredible book that I've, one of the incredible books that have helped me. And, um, you know, she says that you cannot take grief away. You cannot push it down or, you, or try to hide it. She says it's a lot like a wolf in the basement. You could shut the door all you want, but a wolf is going to find its way out. It's going to bust through that door. And I think I have to acknowledge that I have the grief. I have this. This is a part of me now. This sadness, this feeling, this, this, this healing that I'm going through, it's there. I can't forget about it. I can't pretend that it's not there. And the more that I've pretended that it's not there the worse the anger is or the more destructive it's been to my life and what's so cool about it is once I've acknowledged the grief I find the way to give a voice to it and what I mean by that is for example if I'm having this episode or I'm, I'm getting so angry or I'm so frustrated at this simple little thing when I acknowledge that it's the grief that I'm dealing with I have the voice to say okay it's not about the fact that I got cut off in the grocery store or it's not about anger that 
what I wanted to buy wasn't there and I don't have to freak out because it's just that I'm I'm just sad or I'm frustrated or <clears throat> I'm mad because this made me feel this which in turn made me think about my dad which in turn made me think about this moment that we had that I was really shitty to him and I can't apologize to him and that's what I'm feeling but I can I can I can I can deal with that now it's that voice what it does is it almost diffuses the whole situation for me and and that voice for the grief has helped the episodes be a little bit lighter and the anger a little less harsh you know and I think the second thing that I've I've done is I've allowed the space for it, um, because it's a part of me now. It is it is. It's now like an arm, this grief. It's it's it's, it's something that will for forever be a part of me now, and. Uh, I have to give it that space. I have to respect that space. And I think that's probably the hardest thing because it's it's something that I wish wasn't there sometime. Um, but all the wishing ain't gonna make it go away. It's gonna get that, it's gonna be it's like that wolf, you know, the longer you keep it hidden in the basement without food or without acknowledgement of that, it's it's just going to eventually bust out and usually is destructive. And I don't want that. And I think people that are grieving, you know, don't want that either. And so giving it the space and the respect that it deserves has helped me through it. And I also think that... Um, I've allowed the time for grief and I do it in a couple of ways. I think the first thing is I just take some time for myself when I'm having these moments. Um, I think I can't just kind of push it to the side. Um, I have to, um, I have to give it that space and time, you know, when it comes up and, and acknowledge it that way in the time. And, and it could take five minutes or it could take 20, but, you know, I have to learn to give it that time that it needs so that I can move through this, hopefully, uh, in a good progressive way that will help me get closer to the healing that I need. And then the other thing I think is just knowing that it's going to take time. Um, and not in the way that people say, just give it time and you'll feel better. I, you know, there's this quote in, I don't know which book that I found it, but um, might be the Shelby Forsythia book and might be this other one, the Grief Recovery Manual, where they talk about how like grief never gets smaller but your life grows around it and I think you know that that knowing and that knowledge of, of that 
that it's going to take time, that there's going to be, and in that time, there's going to be all these other moments, all these other great moments in my life that will help me get through this grief and make the grief be a part of my life, but not so much of this big, destructive, sad thing. But just a part that I notice, you know, and, and it'll be a part where, I'll, you know, I'll see a picture of my dad and it won't be this soul crushing, sad thing. But it'll be because I've experienced more life and more times with my family or friends or whatever that I can look back and see more of those good moments and less of the sad moments. And it's not that the sad moments are going to go away, but but right now, this pain, this grief is so fresh that the, you know that's all I can see right now, and it's going to take the time for me to get through this, and that's okay. So the things that helped were acknowledging the grief, which gave it the voice, allowing the space for grief, and then the understanding of the time that it takes to get through this and giving grief the time that it needs. And I think the things that really just didn't help, and I think there are a few things that, that I, that if I could share what I did that didn't help me and made it worse, I think I want to share those now. And, and it kind of, it comes from, it was really funny. I was reading this book, The Grief Recovery Manual, and uh, they're talking about misconceptions about grief. And I just remember there were f six of them that resonated with me because I was doing these six things, and it was really super destructive for my life. I think the first one was the misconception is just don't feel bad. You know, no one wants to feel bad. And I think. I was trying to not feel bad so much and it had to do one with the fact that I just had this wonderfully amazing son be born and I was like I can't feel bad right now why should I feel bad right now I have a son I shouldn't you know there's all these people that that you know were thinking that you know would love to be in my position to have this son but but right now like I love this kid and I'm so grateful to be a father right now, but I feel like shit. <laughs> and I feel like shit because my dad died a month ago. And here I am holding this baby and trying to uh, feel bad for feeling bad. And I think I had to, once again, acknowledge that I'm grieving and allow for the space so it to feel bad because I noticed that once I started feeling bad and recognizing that I was feeling bad and giving it the space that I didn't feel bad for long and I was able to look at my kid and and enjoy moments with him and and that was that was great and I think the sex this one of the other misconceptions is you want to replace the loss fill it with something else and I think what I was trying to do was fill this hole that was my dad with my son 
and with this new life. And I was trying to fit the sun into this hole that was meant for my dad. And, and it just was not working. It was just terrible. I, I, that's not my, that's not what my son is there for. And it's a terrible thing to do to try to put that on your child. And, and I, I, I cut that shit out real quick. Um, another misconception is that we have to grieve alone. And I tried to do that so much. I, I, I know in the first summer, last summer, I, I wanted so much to be present for my wife and my newborn that I felt that I couldn't grieve while they were around. And what I would try to do is hide from them and, and, and put myself in a place where I was alone because I didn't want to burden my wife with this grief. Um, I didn't want to, she had already done so much for me and she'd already gone through so much with giving birth to my child. I didn't think that they needed to experience that. But, but let me tell you that some of the most healing moments of my life this last year have been grieving with people just crying with my wife or, or with my friends and being together because grief is meant to be shared in some ways you know and and my wife wanted that so much and then in turn, I found what was so powerful in grieving with her was I found she was grieving too. That that was the, the wildest thing. I remember she came down and she was crying and she was saying she was remembering this time that she felt like she was a jerk to my dad and <laughs> she couldn't apologize to him. And in that moment, we both got to cry and feel the loss and and I re I realized in that moment that I wasn't the only one that lost my dad that my wife did too and I, I think that I've I've never been the same since then and it's been such a positive thing for for our relationship and for me and I wouldn't have had that if I hadn't shared in this with her you know and, and I think that was good for her too you know, that we can do this together. So grieving alone, not a good idea. I promise you it's not. Um, this other one, this misconception is kind of seems counterintuitive because it deals with time. But you, you, you have this feeling that like, you know, just give it time. And, you know, time, time, just give it time, just give it time. I heard it so much. And, and in the in this book, I think it's the Griever's Manual, or it might be the other one, I'm sorry, that I can't remember it right now, but there's this quote that says, time has the power to pass, but it not does not have the power to heal. So you can't just give it time and just hope that it'll go away. Like, because it's not. It's not going away. It's with you. Like I said before, it's become a part of me, and it's going to become, a, it's a part of you. You know, for those of you that are dealing with grief, you know, and that's, um, you know, that's some of the worst, the worst misconception, just give it time. And I mean, yes, you need to give it time, but not in the way that you just kind of forget about it. But, you need, you 
know, that, that quality time, you know, the, the understanding of the time. Um, got a couple more. I think uh, being strong, you have to be strong for others. Um, I know being a man, that's a big thing. You got to be strong. Um, but what's so funny is I'll tell you in these, this last year, I found more strength by not being strong, by reaching out, by telling people that I'm feeling like crap, that I need you in this time, that I can't do this. Um, and it has, it has given me so much light and joy. And I know it sounds funny, but it's given me so much strength in my life by recognizing that I don't have to be strong all the time. And especially right now in these moment, these moments, you know, that I, I need, you know, I'm going to be weak. I'm not going to be able to handle some things and, and I have to reach out. And that's the thing. You've got to reach out in these moments. Um, to whoever um and then the last one i think the misconceptions you have to keep busy um <laughs> let me tell you if i can refer you back to that analogy that grief is a wolf in the basement i promise you if you just try to keep busy grief always finds a way it's like uh it's a jurassic park life finds a way it will be there and i was trying so hard just to keep busy uh, especially, I mean, I had a lot of opportunity to be busy when you have a newborn. I mean, I was there. I was trying uh, to do all these other things. Just, just, just keep my mind off it. Keep my mind off it. Keep my mind off it. All that did was made the episodes when this grief showed up so much more destructive. And, uh, I mean, it's good to keep busy. It's good to live your life, but... You can't live your life in a way that's trying to mask or hide your grief. You have to live your life fully with the grief. And um, so you just got to recognize it, that it's, it's, it's there, it's with you, you know. Do what you want to do. Be creative. You have to go to work. You know, we have to find ways to live our lives. But it's living our lives with it, not without it. It's going to be what helps us. And it's what helped me. And as I kind of start finding my end to this episode, I kind of think it, want to think about and put out there kind of how I, where I go from here and, and how do I live my life with grief. And I think the one thing that I've left out, which is crazy that I've left this one out and it's, um, you know, where I go from here is, is I'm more vocal about my grief, and I do that in therapy. And I'm a big cheerleader for mental health uh, therapy. Having someone to talk to about this has been such a lifesaver, and I've found someone who I can confide in and who has helped me through this and helped me heal through all this. And if there's one thing I think of all the things that I've said, I mean, I've talked for almost an hour. It's it's just that, that finding a therapist or finding someone to talk to that can help you through this will do wonders. Um, and I also think, you know, going back to, you know, we're not meant to grieve alone. Um, 
I think for me, what I've, I've noticed the more and more that I've been in this is that there's all sorts of people that are grieving and they're grieving all sorts of stuff. And, you know, I didn't know how to get through this and I'm learning how to get through this. And, and I think if I had more people around me, uh, to talk with about this, I don't know if I think it would have made this transition a little smoother for me. And, and I kind of wanted to, to put out, um, this idea of starting a group, uh, for people who are grieving. And it's just, a just a place where, um, I'm just providing a space for, uh, people to talk if they want to. Um, I think that talking about this grief has helped me so much and talking about it with people who understand has been very healing. I know I've talked with, uh, I've had a couple of talks with, uh, my friend Katie, uh, and she, uh, she's here locally and, and we kind of were thinking about just how healing it was just being able to talk to people who understand what we're going through. And if you're interested in being a part of this group, um, you can direct message me in Instagram, through social media, or if you know me personally and want to, you can text me or call me. Um, I'm open to it. And if you just want to talk, if you don't want to be a part of the group or you just want to share your story with me, I'm, I have an open heart and an open ear to listen. So, so here we are. We're at the end of the episode. I know it was kind of messy and weird and got off track, but if you're here, thank you for listening. I really appreciate having this outlet to talk about this, and I know that it's a powerful thing, and, and I know that um, there's people out there that are grieving, and I hope that this helps, and I hope that my story helps, and if anything helps you feel a little less alone. And uh, so I hope you all wish you all the best. And uh, as always, be excellent to each other. And until next time, this is Roy with the Balance Mail podcast series. Take care, guys.